Welcome back to another episode of the Pivot and Go podcast. I'm your host, David Nurse. And on the Pivot and Go podcast, we bring on guests, uh, high performers who have just pivoted in their life, felt stuck, and been able to pivot out to achieve their dreams. Whether it's an athlete, an entrepreneur, a CEO, we bring on the best of the best to show you that you can do it as well. And today on the Pivot and Go podcast, we have a absolute treat for you. One of my very close friends, Thomas Williams. Thomas is a former NFL player, big time player at USC, played for multiple teams in the NFL, as we'll talk about on this podcast. He is the author of Permission to Dream, The Relentless Pursuit of Greatness. Two different books right there, two beautiful books. He is a professional speaker worldwide, as I mentioned, NFL player, but he also works with the Ambassador Program and is a big-time philanthropist as well. Thomas Williams is just smooth to the core. You'll see it. I talk about his swag that he has, and he's just absolutely has this rhythm about him that's just so attractive, and you'll see it. You'll see it. So we're going to talk in depth about just the permission to dream, to be able to dream and to follow your dreams. You're not just going to be stuck in what the world is saying you are. Everybody said Thomas was a football player and that's all he could do. No, he was so much more and he pivoted out of that stuck situation multiple times in his life. And he'll tell you all about that. So everybody, you just, you're just you in for a treat right now. So please grab the notebooks, bust out the pens, buckle up the seatbelt. Thomas Williams, here we go. I'm dreaming vivid, so I'm living my goals. Written to existence, you know I'm doing the most. I'm steady winning, having breakfast for dinner, cause I'm always giving a toast. I live that 1% of lifestyle, didn't you know? Doing what I can just to get in the zone. Incremental change and help you get in the flow. But if you hit the wall, gotta pivot and go. Switch your perspective and go for the goal. It ain't the end of the road, just pivot and go. EMF, 5G, yeah, we've all heard about it and we all know how bad it is. But our sponsor today, Soma Vedic, changes the game. This is the device that goes in your house that can reliably mitigate the unwanted influences of EMF and 5G radiation. It is 99.9% satisfaction by owners. And I am one of those owners and I am very satisfied. I have it actually near my TV. It's this light that lights up and I felt it on the first day, the effects of it. And it could take away headaches, nervousness, sleeping problems, digestion problems, tiredness, weak immunity. Just this from erasing, eliminating the EMF and the 5G that is just all throughout our day constantly. Soma Vedic is absolutely changing the game Thank you for sponsoring the Pivot and Go podcast. Now go get your EMF and 5G erased. Thomas Williams, welcome to the Pivot and Go podcast. How are you doing, my man? What's up, David? How you doing, man? I don't know if you know this, but there's no Pivot and Go in my game. I got cut from the uh, seventh grade basketball team <laughs> and decided to go to a completely different route. You know what? That might be a great pivot because I think you had a decent uh, football career that we'll dive into. And just for everybody <laughs> listening out there, Thomas and I are friends. We've ran sand dune hills together. We've, yeah. we've had blood, sweat, and tears, shared meals together. And his story is incredible, an amazing life pivot and just an inspiration 
to so many people, to me and so many people. So we're going to dive into it, Thomas. But first, before we do, start us off with a bang, something maybe not everybody really knows about you. Mm, man, I would say something that not too many people know about me is I'm extremely afraid of roller coasters. I remember uh, growing up when the first time I went on a roller coaster, it was the Michael Jackson ride at California Adventures. And it's <laughs> like when you sit in a movie theater style for seats and the seats move back and forth and you know we're going through space and there you're riding around with Michael Jackson and, I, and the whole entire time I was just freaking out. Like I was screaming so loud at the top of my lungs. They had to stop the ride for me my mom embarrassedly had to grab my hand, walk me out all the way back outside after we waited in this line for like an hour and a half. So that's one thing that people, not too many people know about me. That's really interesting. And coming from the man who was nicknamed the Hitman from one of the best NFL coaches, Pete Carroll, it, I mean, being afraid of a roller coaster, you might not think that's coming from you, but you overcame that fear, obviously, and nicknamed the Hitman. <laughs> Why, why were you nicknamed the Hitman? Let's talk about that for a second. I, I really like the, like the story behind this. Man, so we were playing it with my redshirt freshman year, and we just got done playing Cal on a Saturday at the Coliseum where we ended up winning by, like, it was a close game. And I want to say it was, uh, it might I think it might have been Aaron Rodgers who was the quarterback at Cal at the time. And um, I was on special teams, and that was my role for that year. And I was just like headhunting the whole entire game. And it was the second game into the season. And after we watching film, we come outside to do our walkthroughs and, you know, just to kind of get the lactic acid out of your legs. And coach, as I ran by, you know, through one of the drills, coach Carroll was like, come on, the hit man. And it just stuck, man. It was one of those things where it was like, I have an identity. And as you know, it's like, the sooner you kind of get a nickname on a team or as soon as you get an identity kind of like in a role within your team, it's kind of like the better you can grasp that, the better you can maximize and the more you can kind of fulfill your role and your responsibility on a team. And I just kind of remember thinking to myself, like, I cannot not be the hitman. And so yeah. from here on out, like, that's what people expect from me. They're not going to expect <laughs> me to outrun the fastest player in the opposite team or, you know, jump the highest, but they're going to expect for me to run through people's face. And so you better, you better embrace that. So I, I think I've come a long way from the roller coaster rides to, uh, to, to being the tough man on the football team. Yeah, that's cool. And for everybody that doesn't know, they, the special teams, basically the people running down to tackle the guy on the kickoffs or punts, like that is literally one of the craziest people in all of sports doing that, flying 100 miles per hour and just laying people out. So, yeah, I'd say you get some toughness points for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's dive into your life pivot. And on the Pivot and Go podcast, mm -hmm. we talk about pivoting, being going one direction and then going another one. So talk about the, your big life pivot that you have made and you continue to make. Man, I think, I think one of the biggest life pivots that I had to make, David, was when I went from playing in Tampa Bay, um, having a neck injury, my second neck injury in mm. two years where I had to call it quits. And the doctor said, Thomas, you can – you can either play football for a few more years or you can walk for the rest of your life. And so I took the ladder and decided to say, you know, I would, I would much rather look forward to the days where I can pick up my kids and throw them in the air and, you know, swim with them in swimming pools and just kind of live life than kind of play maybe a couple more years in the NFL. And I was, I was in my fifth year at the time. So, um, one of the hardest pivots I had to make was transitioning from, uh, what I like to say a game changer into, into a life changer. And so oh. for me, Going from playing football every single day of my life to now having to walk around without a mask, without 
in a helmet or a jersey, any in, in, in the identity. And so for me, transitioning into football and out of football, there was one central theme. The reason why I started playing football is because uh, my dad was in my life when I grew up. So primarily raised by a single parent. I had a stepdad at the time or earlier in my life who raised me and taught me, you know, all the masculinity things, right? How to throw a curveball, you know, how to change a tire, like all these really cool things. Um, but I started playing football because my dad wasn't in my life. And so I knew that I had father issues, like daddy issues, so to speak, from an early age. And so for me, I, I, I kind of was able to cover that up by playing football because I could play football. I could be around coaches. So these were other men who could give me the affirmation. I was around an only child, so I could be around my teammates who kind of felt like my brothers. And so it was like I was getting everything a, a, a traditional family structure would give you, but I was getting it at football practice and at football games. And that's how I became good, so to speak. That's why I just wanted to spend so much time after practice, you know, in practice, at games, in the weight room, et cetera, all of those things. And so when I came out of football, I had to face one of the hardest things in my life. And that was the simple fact that, hey, dad wasn't there. And so I thought I could cover it up and I would never have to address the issues of dad not being there when I played. But come to find out is that, hey, no matter where you are or where you go, your problems will still be there. Uh-huh. And so my problem was still there. And I'll never forget when I jumped on the plane coming back from Tampa, flying all the way back to Los Angeles, I was thinking of what am I supposed to do next? And the thing about like your father, my, 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 my dad was the, one of the biggest things that was on my heart and on my mind. And I remember calling him at the time and saying, dad, like I'm done playing football. And it's a weird thing is like, I thought he would be disappointed in me. It's, it's weird how it, how it transferred. And I, and, I, and I called him and I said, dad, I'm done playing football. And I thought he was almost going to be mad or kind of try to talk me out of it or say, hey, you're, you're, you're scared or you're fearful or, you know, be a man. But my dad gave me the, the affirmation almost in that moment that I needed the past 15 years of my life. And he said, you made a lot of hits on the football field, but there won't be a there. You won't you will be more impactful and your words will mean more than the plays you ever made on the football field. And I was like, what? Wow. And this is now, now, I mean, obviously I can fast forward eight years and say I'm a motivational speaker and I facilitate, I'm an adjunct professor, I'm an author. So I've impacted people, but he saw that when I was 27 years old. Wow. And so for me to see, he, like at that time he affirmed me. So that was one of the hardest things for me to do was to pivot and go from what I only thing I ever knew, only thing I ever wanted to be like, you know, growing up, it's like, I want to play sports. I want to play this sport and this is what I want to do. And then you reach it and then you're done with it. So what do I do now? I, a, a funny story is I remember when, before I got engaged, when I was a, a single <laughs> man and I was dating, uh, you know, you go on the first date and people ask you, you know, Hey, what do you, what do you do for fun? And, and, and this young lady asked me, what do I do for fun? And, and I remember telling her vividly, like, I watch film, I work out and I eat healthy. Like I did not have anything else to tell her. I didn't, couldn't tell her like I like to travel or I like to try exotic foods or, you know, I like art or I like watching movies or I like reading, you know, comic books. There was nothing else that I had inside of me because the only thing I'd ever done was uh, basically, you know, kept my life around playing sports in the game of football. Yeah, that's amazing. And I, I resonate with that as a basketball player too. And you talked about, your father and getting that affirmation. Is that when it clicked for you that it was okay to shed this identity? 
Like that's a difficult mm. thing. And a lot of people have the, like we want to impress others and our parents. Like, is that how you shed your identity by hearing the affirmation? No, that wasn't, that wasn't it. So it's, it, I mean, that's a great question. And I think it, it, it made me have to think of, this is a layer. This is an onion. This is, mm. this is, I mean, I, I had, yeah. I had so many nice. deep rooted issues that I had. Yep. That was the first layer. That was probably the permission yeah. to continue to, to, to dive down and, 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 and drive down this journey and go down that and say to myself, okay, what else am I, am I missing, right? So I'm, a, I'm biracial. So that was an issue for me, right? So people always just call me pretty growing up. So I didn't like that, especially playing football. Like I'm a pretty boy, but I'm biracial. So I, I kind of hated, I kind of hated myself for that. Or I, 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 had, I didn't, I didn't appreciate or embrace that. So there was that, you know, growing up without money. So there were certain things like once I got money, I used to spend, I used to spend money on dumb things that like, I didn't need to, like who really needs like, 15 pairs of the same Nikes, like but just different <laughs> colors. Like who needs it? I'm not saying want, and I'm not saying if that's your thing, like, but I'm saying for me, like look back at it now, there's so many different deep rooted issues of, of just being a confident male outside of what you do. Right. Where I can say now I'm probably the most confident in what I do, or I'm sorry, in, in who I am, as opposed to being confident in what I do. Um, so that was the first thing. And then man, I've gone through, so many years of therapy, like I was going, my first year of going to therapy, I went every single week, twice a week for like a year, year and a half. And so I would, I would, I would sit down with the therapist and just talk about these things that I could literally hide, right? When we play football, you play with a mask. Nobody sees you, right? Like there's not too many people other than like a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees or some of these iconic figures in football. You don't really know that that guy, I mean, there's probably so many people in the country who have a neighbor who's the running back for, you know, the New Orleans Saints or, or, or who's a line offensive tackle, you know, your neighbor's the offensive tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. And you don't know it, right? Because you wear a helmet and you have a mask. So you're covered. So I've been covered from the time I was 13, played, started playing football to the time I was 27. And so you have to get comfortable with who you are. So one of the things that I had to pivot and go with is like, Hey, look, this is me. This is as tall as I'm going to be. This is as much as I'm going to weigh. Like, this is who I am. Embrace it. Love it. Because the more I'm able to embrace it and love it about myself, I think the more authentic that I'm able to be around other people. And that's all we're truly looking for is that authenticity to be who we are. Right. And like, yeah. please, David, be who you are so much so that I can be who I am Ooh. so much because I'm begging you to be who you are because you're going to give me the freedom and the liberty to be who I am. So please, David, be who you are, be who you are so I can be who I am. Thomas, I love that so much. And it, you illuminate that. The first time that I met you, when I was around you, I was like, gosh, this guy is just so smooth. He's confident. Like He makes me feel really comfortable to be around him. And, and you live and breathe that. And it's, it's something, it's not, a, it's not an easy thing to do. And you showed that your steps, I love how you just vulnerably talk about going to therapy. Like, yeah, we, we need that when we have these different onions that we need to peel back and this confidence that, that isn't there in ourselves. So how do you, like, now you do an amazing job, motivational speaking, but more so motivationally teaching kids, yeah. companies, people of all walks of life. What type of tools do you give them to be able to tool themselves with developing this type of confidence, this self-awareness about them, who they are? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things for me is that I always want to find out where a person or organization is trying to go. And then we reverse engineer that whole entire yeah. thing. So nice. let's say somebody says, I want to be a little bit more comfortable. Great. Then I want to get you a little bit, I'm sorry, becoming a little bit more comfortable in who I am. So then right now at that moment is I, I want to dive 
strictly and specifically to where somebody is uncomfortable. Where is somebody uncomfortable, right? So I'm uncomfortable in big crowds. Well, right now, this is pre-COVID, so you could go in big crowds. And I would say go in big crowds and you introduce yourself to five people. Every single time there's a big crowd, go do that. Oh, it wasn't so bad. I'm, I don't have bullet holes in me. I don't have any knife wounds. Like, I'm, I'm still alive. And so I think it's, it's identifying, just like in sports, right? Like, attack your weakness, work on that through the offseason, and then also continue to develop your strength. So the thing for me is that I want to attack somebody where they're uncomfortable and where they're incompetent. And then, too, by raising this self-awareness, by telling somebody, you know what, this is what I'm really good at. For example, um, um, in my class at USC, <clears throat> excuse me, in my class at USC that I teach, I teach the incoming freshmen how to transition into college, how to navigate this whole entire problem, right? So one of the big things in the demographic is a lot of these kids are first-generation college students. So when you say networking, they, 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 they have no clue what you're talking about. You might as well tell them that, you know, pick a stock on the S&P 500 and, <laughs> you know, invest all your money into that because they have, they have no clue. And it's not because they're stupid or they're incapable, but it's just because they've never been exposed to it. So one of the things that we do is we ex- expose them to everything that we're teaching. And the, and, the, and the trick is, is that we've found out that the quicker we can teach them, that's why we do in their freshman year, their very first semester, because they haven't developed any bad habits. Right. It's like mm-hmm. you, you're, you and John were playing tennis the other day. And the thing that we talked about is you said, get some lessons before you start to develop bad habits. And the reason is because then I have to go in there with an instructor and he's going to break down my bad habits, which is going to take longer time. I might not be able to break them because they're just subconsciously locked in my brain. Um, the same thing that we do with the high or the college student athletes is we teach them very often. Okay. What is it that you do on the football field that is, you know, comparable to this in, in life after sports, because mm. the biggest goal that I have for them is that they're competent enough that when they're playing careers over that they can walk into a job interview, they can network with someone, they can have at least a little bit of financial literacy and, and, and knowledge to say, okay, as long as I don't spend more than I make, I will be okay. This is a good starting point. And as long as they can say that, look, I've come out of college with, with, with no student debt and I have very little debt anyways, that I can get an apartment, I can, you know, lease a car, buy a car, get a loan for a car, and I can have a job. Like that is a A plus goal. Like if we could do that for all of our college student athletes, that would be great. So the biggest thing is that being able to relate to them and what they do, yes, but also being able to expose them to what they don't know. I like that. I like that a lot. And you speak of the John you spoke of is John Gordon, who is one of our good friends and a mentor to both of us. And yeah, I like how you say reverse engineer because most people will have goals that they set. It's like, how do you get to that goal? And I've been doing it even more so if I'm having a super specific goal. And then now I'm going to take a step backwards and just mm. kind of reverse engineer that. And and have you found that in your life and like in your pursuit of motivational speaking? Do you set goals that you reverse engineer? Because I really like that concept, man. Mm, I feel the electrolytes charging through my body as we speak. Hey, I got to tell you about Element, L-M-N-T. I've been a super fan since day one and 
Now, I mean, like these Lance Armstrongs and Tim Ferrises are on board with it. But what Element is, is a tasty electrolyte drink mix. It's formulated to help anyone with their electrolyte needs and is perfectly suited for folks following keto, low-carb, paleo diet. We don't need any more sugar. We don't need the Gatorade and all that sugar that's in it. We need the salt. And that's what Element brings. It brings a recharging electrolyte, super tasty. They got citrus, lemon, orange, many, many flavors. And there's a few staples as an optimizer, total optimizer myself that I do every single day. Water, coffee, gratitude, spend time with my wife, and Element. I'll have it twice a day in the morning when I wake up and during my workout. One thousand mgs of sodium 200 potassium and 60 magnesium it is all the good stuff that is going to recharge you and just juice you up for an ultimate day element yeah i i will i'll take it back to high school when i was in i was in the 10th grade and, and a teammate by the name of josh klein he came into the locker room and he had like eight different letters, Cal, you know, Nevada, you know, Stanford, just you name it. He had, he had eight different letters and I would walk by him and I was, and he was a year older than me. And I was like, wow, where, where did you get those? And he goes, I just got these in the coach's office. So when he got his letters and he, I'm talking about recruiting letters. And so we sat down for David, I kid you not. I missed like two classes that day. I missed like a third period and a fourth period. Cause he was explaining to me this whole entire process. Yeah. I wanted to go to the NFL, but in order to go to the NFL, I got to go where first I got to go to college. And in order to go to college, then there's these upper echelon athletes who are getting recruited. And so for me, I learned about the, the recruiting process, the NC2A clearinghouse, the SATs, the core grades, all in that two hour time period. So in my mind, I was like, as he was explaining it to me, I was like, this is the blueprint. Like, nice. wait, so you mean to tell me not everybody who plays high school goes to the league. Got <laughs> it. Okay. So not everybody who plays, you know, in order to go to the league, you got to go to college and you have to, you know, get good grades and then you have to hopefully be good in college. So reverse engineering it is literally just identifying a goal, whatever it is. Let's just say you want to lose weight. For example, you want to lose weight. So I want to lose 10 pounds by the end of the summer or before summer. So I got three months, you know, till summer starts. So that's approximately 3.3 pounds a month. So, which means yes. that I got to lose, you know, a quarter of a pound a week. How do I do that? Okay. So let's just talk about, you know, whether it's working out, whether it's eating, whether it's sleep, whether it's my hydration, there's that. So now you just come all the way backwards and you say, give myself a small chunk. What happens is too many people give themselves, they cram for the test, so to speak. So I, I want to I lose 10 pounds in the next three months. What's going to happen is I'm going to not lose 10 pounds over the course of the next three months. I'm probably going to wait till there's about 10 days until my deadline. And then I'm going to start to train and then I'm going to start to prepare. And we do that in all areas of life, right? So I just recently became a dad. Yeah, baby. Congratulations. So one of my big things, my daughter is, I appreciate it, man. So one of my biggest things for my daughter is that I want to be able to have, you know, there, there's certain benchmarks in my mind. So there's benchmarks when she's going to go to school. There's going to be benchmarks when she's going to uh, need a car. There's going to be a benchmark when she's going to go to college. And so for me, in my mind, I need to set, I'm not going to try to do this when she turns 15 or when she turns 17 or when she turns 20. But right now, there's a certain amount of money that I put away every single month. It just comes out of my monthly income and in, in my pay stub, like it just goes over here and it goes into these different buckets so that by the time she hits a certain age, 
then these things are going to be able to be allotted for. But I had to learn because I didn't get good grades in school. So I learned this actually backwards through school. Why is it that these people are getting good grades on their tests? And they're, 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 they're doing really well. Well, the reason why they're doing well is because they're studying throughout the week. We get our spelling words <laughs> on Monday. We're not going to take the test till Friday. I'm going to study them Thursday night. This is going to be the first time that I'm learning how to say them, spell them, look at them, write them, anything. Mm. My friends, they're getting 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10. When did they start studying? Monday night. Oh, so they just took 30 minutes every single night, just looked over their words while they were eating dinner, right before they went to bed, in between TV commercials, whatever it is. And that's exactly what I took from them and learning from them and saying, I don't have to try to do this all at once. But every single time I get an opportunity, every single day, every single month, I need to take incremental steps. And so incremental steps are, have been what, what has saved me, you know, for, for my entire life. Man, it's, it, it sounds like it's the 1% steps that you're taking. 1% steps. Ah, yeah. And, yeah, you set that one up, man. What I love about you and we're going to get into is preparation. You hit on it. Like preparation is the key to success. And you have an amazing book, Pursuit of Greatness, Permission to Dream. And I'd, I'd put that all in a nutshell of the importance of preparation. Can you speak on that, on the pursuing greatness? I like that. You're never just, you're never going to be great. It's always a constant pursuit and having permission yeah. to dream and, and not just saying like, okay, this is for somebody, this is for somebody. You have permission to make these huge dreams. Now you prepare for them. Yeah. So, I mean, with, with preparation, like anything, that was the biggest thing that Coach Carroll used to talk about in college. Yeah. He's like, guys, we're, we're, we're going to play some teams that are going to be athletically better than we're going to play some teams that are going to be stronger than us. We're going to be play some teams that are faster than us and so on and so forth. But he said, we're not going to, we're not going to play a team that's ever going to be more prepared than us. And so he really nice. believed that confidence comes from preparation. And so he, he, he like a very, every single year he showed the freshmen, you know, what is it like to prepare? And so he said, I want, I want you guys to imagine that you're, so he'd go to the wall and he'd point to downtown LA and it'd be like the tallest buildings in downtown LA, like Citibank and like Bank of America or something like that. Just huge buildings downtown LA. And he said, Thomas, you think if you, if I took a two by four and I told you to put it up there, you know, from one building to the next, do you think you could walk across it? And arrogantly, I'm thinking like, yeah, I could walk across it. But deep down inside, I knew. He goes, no, seriously, do you think you walk? I said, absolutely not. He goes, well, what if I took you down there today and I put this board at one foot above ground? Do you think you could walk across it, right? Let's just say it's 150 feet. you think you could do it? I said, yeah. He goes, all right, and then the next day we go down there and I'm going to raise it up six inches. So now it's a foot and a half. you think you can do it? Of course. Now, what about if we did it every single day and we just incrementally increased it by six inches? You think you would eventually be able to do it? I go, absolutely. He said, that's the same thing with preparation, guys. We're not going to ask you to go out there on a, on a Saturday when it comes to the game and just think about, hey, this is the first time you got to do it better than you've ever done it, that you've ever done it before. You got to do it with more intensity. You got to do it with more focus, with more perseverance. Like you, you can't do that. What we're going to do is that we're going to build it every single day. So that our confidence is going to come from the preparation. So when we ask you a question that. and we're grilling you in the meetings, then you're going to, you're going to, you might, you know, freeze up because you're, you're in front of all your peers. Or you might freeze up because you don't want to get the answer wrong. But when you come to game day, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to have ice in your veins. You know what? We're going to, we're going to put the pressure on you come nine on seven. We're going to act like this Super Bowl, And if you don't make this play in nine on seven, 
the rest of the team has to run. So we want to put the pressure on you now so that when there's 92,000 fans who are here at the stadium and there's millions of people watching around the country who are cheering for you, whether to win or lose, you're not going to feel it. And David, when I tell you like the preparation mindset that he instilled in all of us for some of us, three, four, five years, you know, it's still one of those things that resonates with me to this day, because anytime you can prepare, it takes away the anxiety mm. from having to deal with the, the, the consequences where it's not even in your brain. It's not even in your mind that you're going to fail. You know, I, I think it was 60 minutes uh, when Tiger Woods was on it and it was just after he'd won the master's. And the interviewer was asking him, you know, on this putt right here, you know, you're four feet out and it breaks from right to left. You know, what were you thinking? And he goes, right edge, firm. And he's like, yeah, but like, can you give us anything? He goes, right edge, firm. <laughs> he was so dialed in because of the preparation yeah. that that is something that I'll never forget. Like right edge, firm. I had watched this putt. I'd studied this putt. I had watched this play. I'd studied this play, this presentation, whatever it is, study for this test. So much that when it's time, like there's just an, there's just, there's almost an insane amount of people call it being arrogant, but it's not, you're just so confident. It's like you flirt with the line a little bit. Yeah. You know, I, I love that you say that so much. Cause like in my first talk that I gave to a fortune 500 company, a friend of mine had said, you better be prepared. Don't just do this eight to 10 times. You do this 150 times before you step up there. And it hit me in the face. And I did, I did it 150 times before I got up there. And it went great. But if I hadn't prepared, I would not have had the confidence to step on the stage. So that's, that's really cool to hear that from, from you and, and that story of the, the two-by-fours going across yeah. and walking across the trust that you have. But it is that's where ultimate supreme confidence comes through the preparation that you put in. And... All right. I would love to talk to you about preparation and, and everything for hours and hours. And we will in our next workout. I'll hit you with a, with a bunch of these kind of questions. But as we <laughs> wrap up here on the Pivot and Go podcast, we always like to throw our guests on the rapid fire hot seat. So whatever comes oh. to your mind, it can be quick answers. It can be expanded. You let it fly. All right. What is your favorite mindset quote? that you live by if you have something on your fridge your mirror yep. a tattoo yep. what is it yeah uh, you can get anything you want in life if you just help enough people get what they want zig ziglar love it love it service mentality so good what does leaving a legacy mean to you not necessarily what billboards or the world says it is but what is leaving a legacy to thomas williams for me, leaving a legacy is simple. Every single day I wake up, I have there right now I have two people who, who I report to, uh, my daughter and my fiance. And so the legacy every single day that I'm chasing and pursuing um, is that she wakes or that she goes to sleep every night saying that's my man. She's proud of it. And that my daughter says my daddy. And so the legacy part for me is for, for that I'm chasing every single day is to make them proud and that I'm a superhero. So that's what keeps my fire lit. Man, you are a superhero. You're a superhero to me as well. Okay. I'd be amiss if I did not ask you this question playing for Bill Belichick with the Patriots. Give me a crazy Bill Belichick story. He's a, he's a nut, but is there one that stands out? He's a mad scientist, genius now. And you played for some of the best coaches in all of sports, which is really, really cool. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> 
my favorite Bill Belichick story. My favorite <laughs> Bill Belichick story came um, to, before 2009 football season. We had just, we were just getting ready. It was like the last day of training or the last day of like OTAs and mini camps and workouts before you get like a two week break. And then you come back and start training camp. So he comes into the team meeting room and he's just kind of giving us the whole spill of take care of yourself, you know, come back ready to work the whole nine. And right before he gets ready to close the end of the, the meeting, he says, all right, now listen to me. When you guys get back, we're going to run double days and full pads until I get tired. And he just walked out. And this was my first training camp going to be with New England. So I was thinking that he was kidding because I had coached just say like, you're going to run until I get tired type thing, which meant like you're going to do another lap or like yeah. you're going to have to do another sprint. Like it wasn't anything severe. When I tell you this man really did double days, full camp, full pads, like we were in like up to like game two <sighs> against the New Orleans Saints. We were still doing double days with full pads. Gosh. Like. This was, this was when there was no like off and on, off and on. There wasn't off and on, off and on didn't come till 2011. So this was like, yeah, we're just going to run. We're just going to do double days until I get tired. <laughs> oh yeah. That sounds about right for Bill Belichick, but yeah. you survived. Thomas, tell, tell everybody how we can follow everything that you're doing, how we can, I mean, support any nonprofits that you, that you have. Where, where can everybody find you? Man, right now I'm taking an hiatus. I, I have been off of social media since know. December 31st, 2019. Um, so, I mean, you can go there. You won't find me. You won't find anything recent. Um, I have a website, which is thomasrwilliams.com. But for the most part, man, I'm getting ready to hit a heavy circuit on the podcast uh, yes. journey. So, man, every, every chance that I get, I'm going to try to continue to feed and put out new content. But right now, you might not be able to find me. I'm going to be – I want to be – you know what? One of the things that going into 2021 is that I want to be, I want to be the, the 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 most famous person you never heard of. <laughs> that's that's awesome. what I'm shooting for. Like you, awesome. you, you never heard of me, but but in my mind, you know, I'm I'm, I'm yeah. chasing that superstar status. Yeah, you you know who you are to me before you even said that. So first off, a lot of respect for being off social media. Like it's it's very hard for people to actually do that when they say that. You're like James Bond. You're as smooth as James Bond is in real life. And now you're this mystery man. So this is amazing to have you on this podcast. And it's I'm going to help you help you get to that for the most famous man that you don't know of. I love it. You don't even know of. I love it. So the last question we always ask everybody is, if someone was in your shoes, someone younger or someone who is, is just stuck in a situation if you could tell them one thing to be able to help them make that slight perspective shift and pivot out, what would it be? The one thing I would tell people is that, okay, so you have to find a yes. Mm. You have to find yes with people, with, with the people who you, who you trust. Um, whether you're, if you're a young athlete, you have to find a coach. I want more playing time. You have to find a coach who's going to believe in you. That's going to tell you, David, continue to work. I just want you to do these drills every single day. Right. Um, and the reason why I say that is because in those moments that you just have to shift your perspective, you have to pivot your perspective in those moments and you have to start getting on the happy train. You have to start getting in the, the optimistic train and you have to start getting in the hopeful train because we know playing sports, taking the test, going through life, it can take that one good thing that shifts your whole entire life, the trajectory of your life, your career, your game, business, life, whatever it is. 
And you could possibly miss it because you're not looking for the things that are right there in front of you. And so if you're that young athlete or you're that young entrepreneur, you're that young up and coming person, that if you're in a, in a pessimistic state, that you'll, you're only going to be tunnel vision and only being able to see the things that are like between here as opposed to having a whole frame of work and being able to see such a broad perspective. So I would say you have to find the people who say that you can do it. And if you don't have those people, if you don't have those people in your home, in your community, you've got a phone, you have the internet, you just go to the places that the people are telling you that you can do certain things. And then you start to believe it. You've you got to listen to it morning. You've got to listen to it while you're eating breakfast, while you're eating lunch, while you're eating dinner. You just listen to it, listen to it, listen to it until their thought and their voice becomes your truth. Once you do that, then you'll be able to rise above any situation and circumstance that you're going through. James Bond, drop the mic, baby. I love that. <laughs> momentum builds momentum. That's powerful. Thomas, the hitman Williams, you are such an amazing light to this world, man. You're not just a game changer. You are an absolute life changer, and you're going to touch so many lives. So as a man of, of faith and going to be a great father and going to be a great husband, like very, very honored and blessed to have you in my life, man. So thank you very much for coming on this podcast and rocking the Pivot and Go podcast. I appreciate your friendship, man, and the conversations, man. Let's continue to push each other, man. And, and every time in life that we think we're stopped, we just got to pivot and go. Thank you so much for giving your time to me and listening to this 1% podcast. Without you, none of this would be possible. The feedback, the reviews, the ratings you give this podcast help to grow the audience and the reach for us to be able to bring on new guests each week and provide that 1% daily steps we can all implement from top NBA players, high performers, and just from amazing people doing amazing things to better this world. And it's all because of you. If you could, I will shout you out, personally thank you, leave a review on iTunes or the podcast app on your phone. Five stars if you love it, one star, of course, if you hate it, and leave a comment of what you liked about it or questions, suggestions that you might have. Post on social media and tag me at David Nurse NBA, and I will repost the reviews the podcast gets. I'll shout you out personally for sure. Thank you so much for being the best community, the best family, the best 1% squad. So blessed for all of you out there. Now go out there today and speak a word of encouragement to someone. You can and you will make a difference. 